Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. I'm still playing drums for a guy named Mission, if you ever heard of Mission before. And uh, we went to this conference called, at the time, like, what the heck is adulty? What's adulty? Don't awaken love too early conference. Anybody ever been before? Yeah? No, our young adults have been. But listen, the, the, the man of God that is behind this, this, this great conference, the man of God that is, is an associate pastor at Real Life Church Sacramento that has taken out his time to come and bring us a word, man. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about love, and you guys heard the promo, talking about love. Like, we wanted to make sure that we dialed it home for our youth, but I told him I didn't want to pigeonhole him because he is the Don't Wake Love Too Early guy, but who better than to talk about love than our brother, Pastor Damien Jacquino. If you guys would give him a God bless you as he comes up to the stage. That's what I'm talking about. You work out. You work out. Man, I appreciate the love in here. Can we give it up for Pastor JR? Pastor Erica, the worship team, um, and Pastor John and Pastor Kaya. Love you guys very much. I think they were going to grab the other one for me. Um, I bring you greetings all the way from Real Life Church, Sacramento. Um, my pastor, Pastor Dean and Pastor Amy, they send their love. And uh, man, I love the energy that's in this room. I could tell that this is a church that worships. Um, and I really love how you guys explain uh, what the building is. It's just the building. And the Bible says the time has come and now it is here that God is looking for those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. He didn't say in building in truth. He didn't say in temple in truth. He said in spirit and truth. So if you have the redemptive power of Jesus Christ living in on, on the inside of you, you can bring worship. How many knows we don't go to a worship service. We bring worship to a service. You create an atmosphere for miracles, signs, and wonders to break out in this place. Amen? Um, man, I, I really do feel like I'm at home. Uh, some of you guys may know this already, but I used to live in Sassoon City. I actually stayed probably for about seven years at 1458 Humphrey Drive. Humphrey Place. Yeah. Um, in my BC days, I remember after the club going to Alberto's, getting a burrito. It tastes good going out, but it didn't feel good. It tastes good going in, but it didn't feel good going out. <laughs> um, but I really do feel right at home. Really appreciate all the gifts that went forth from rapping to music, all those different type of gifts. This is a very uh, talented church. This church is full of creativity. It's full of giftings. Can we give it up for the gifts that are in this house? It's pretty amazing. Yeah, well, how many of you guys ready for the word? I'm not convinced. How many of you guys ready for the word? I'm going to scoot this up a little bit. Amen. God is good. Let's just give some praise for God as I need an excuse to get my notes ready. 
Again, I bring you greetings from Pastor Dean and Pastor Amy. Uh, I'm so grateful to them. I have favor with them uh, because t- technically I was supposed to be at church, but but I told him uh, how dear you guys are to our hearts, and he really loves Pastor John. He loves the Building Christian Fellowship, and he said, uh, without a second guess, go ahead and go. And I believe that I have the favor to be here because the way I honor my pastor the Bible says that uh, your, your pastors who watch over your soul should receive double honor. Okay, am I speaking to the right church? That word double honor means your gifts, your loves, your time, your sacrifice. Um, and, you know, as long as I've been saved, look at this beautiful woman walking over here, y'all. Let me, let me just shout out my wife. Amen. I give honor to my wife as well. Um, but you know, one of the things about honor, as long as Stacy and I, we've been going, we're going to be going on 13 years of marriage in January. Um, I've been saved, sanctified and rededicated back to the Lord for about 15, 16 years. But for the last 15, 16 years, I've been a hundred percent tither and giver. Amen. And it's not that I tithe because I have to, I tithe because I get to. I don't have to. I get to tithe and I don't just limit myself to 10 percent. Stacy and I have increased our giving because we God has been so good to us and he owns it all. So it is it is out of my love. It is out of my heart that I give radical generosity back to the house. Amen. But one of the things that I just want to emphasize, because it is Pastor Appreciation Month, make sure you honor your pastors. Sow into your pastors. Love your pastor. In fact, Stacy and I, once we leave here, we are going to the mall because we have a pastor and we have spiritual parents that we're going to be sowing into, and we know what they like. And, and, and that's something, that's a principle that we've applied all our lives. And again, I don't have to do it. They're not demanding it, but I get to do it because I'm so thankful for their sacrifice, their commitment, and just their, their due diligence in the word of God. I'm so thankful that God has given me an example of Christ in them that I can follow. Amen. So give it up for your pastors again. Amen. Well, we're going to open up First uh, John chapter 4, verse 7. And before I give you my sermon title, I want to read this passage of scripture. And I like First John because uh, for those who know about John, some people call him the apostle of intimacy because he talks about love. He has great insight about love. And I know today we are talking about love. So what better book than to go to First John, uh, again, chapter 4, verse 7. It says, Beloved. Let us love one another for love is of God. Love is of what? Love is of what? And everyone who loves is what? Born of God. And what knows God, that word knows means intimately acquainted with. It's not a theoretical no. It's not an information no. It means that I have applied scriptures in such a way that I have intimacy with God. And it says right here, and knows God, and he who does not love does not know God for what God is love. So love is a byproduct of knowing God because God is love. So if we don't know God, we won't know love. And I don't know about you guys. There's a lot of things in the world, in this culture today that is being categorized as love under the banner of love that isn't love. I'm going to say that again. There are a lot of things in the world from the, the, the deconstruction of faith, from uh, uh, trying to uh, redefine what marriage is, trying to redefine what male and female is, all under the banner of love, but it isn't love. 
So, I, I, you know, and here's another thing. Everyone is created by God, but not everybody is born of God. This is why we have to get born again so we can get access to the God that is love and we can know what love is. Without being born again, you won't perceive, you won't discern, and you won't know what love properly is. Again, everyone is created by God, but not everyone is born again of God. This is why we have a new birth experience, so that way we can get access to the fullness of God. You cannot have access to the fullness of God, nor can you have the correct definition of love unless you're born again. You don't have the proper transmitter. You don't have the redemptive spirit. You don't have the DNA of Jesus in order to know the love that, that Jesus walks in. So again, everyone is created by God, but not everyone is born of God. This is why today I want to give the youth, the adults, a metric in which we can define and measure what love is. Because if you don't know what love is, you don't know where love comes from, and you don't know how to stay connected to true love, you'll build a life, a home, a marriage, a family with somebody all under the banner of love, and it ain't love. And then you'll be in bondage. You'll be in abusive relationships. And if you think God gave you that relationship, which never was defined by love, then you won't resist something you think God gave you, and he never gave you that in the first place. Oh, Jesus, I feel like preaching today. When we don't have the proper definition of love, we'll make investments with our time. We'll make investments with, with our money and we'll make, we'll make sacrifices of our virtue with someone that wasn't deserving of our virtue. We'll, we'll begin to uh, build in a relationship that God never gave us the blueprints for. We see that in Abraham, that Abraham uh, slept with his wife's uh, maidservant and he gave birth to an Ishmael and therefore he gave birth to warfare that God never wanted him to have. What if we are experiencing warfare in our relationships? What if we're experiencing the depression, the anxiety, the challenges, the, 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 uh, the, the wishy-washy, the back and forth, all of this because we are giving birth to things that God never authorized for us to be in in the first place. God had a covenant between Abraham and his wife, not Abraham and her maidservant. And this is what you have to know about Satan. He is an angelic being, but he is a defeated foe. And, and you know what? Satan is not on the same level as God. At best, he might be on the same level as Michael the archangel because he's an angel. He's not a God. Somebody going to get that later. So we need to stop putting Satan on a, on a, on a status or level as, as God. Satan at best can pervert, but he can't create. He can recreate, reintroduce, try to redefine, but he can't create something that God created. And love is not a temporal concept that derives its origin from man or angelic beings. Love is an is a eternal quality that originates with God. I'm going to say that again. Love is not a temporal concept that derives its origin from man. Love is an eternal quality that originates with God. In other words, the only person that can define love is God. Satan can try to pervert it. He can try to redefine it. He can offer you different versions of it. But all of that is a counterfeit. And if you receive a counterfeit love, you'll have counterfeit outcomes. You'll be looking for people that can keep you company, but but it's not about can they keep you company. It's about can they cover you well? 
I don't care if you can keep me company. Can you cover me? Can you cover me with the love of God? Can you cover me with prayer? Can you cover me with faith? Can you cover me with hope? But if I don't have the proper definition of what love is, I'll be covered by company, but I need to be covered by the love of God. And I'll be giving up bits and pieces of myself to compromise to get something that already belongs to me. Love already belongs to the born-again believer. If you are a born-again believer, if you've given your life to Christ, that's why the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus is the bridge to the acts of of that eternal love that God already has preordained, predetermined, prearranged arranged for your life but if you don't know this you'll compromise to keep certain relationships but whatever you compromise to keep you'll always eventually lose you start compromising your sexuality you start compromising your dignity you start compromising your integrity you start compromising the way you're supposed to honor yourself when you start compromising who you are and who you belong to you'll eventually lose whatever you compromise to keep because you've created an idol out of a relationship and the Lord does not like idols so God will allow that relationship to end so that you can start a new beginning with him he never wanted you to go that route but he will allow the end of that so that way you can come back to him broken contrite and willing to receive the proper definition of love y'all in here with me today so the bible says that we are born into sin shaped in iniquity which means all of us was born into some level of dysfunction No matter how amazing my parents are, no matter how amazing your parents are, no matter how amazing anybody's parents are, all of us was born into some type of dysfunction. Somebody's version of love, somebody's definition of what they think love is. And this is why scripture says don't go beyond what is written. I'm not saying that your parents is not awesome like my parents because my parents are amazing. But there are times where you might get offered a version of somebody's love that is contradicted to contradictory to the word of God. And what I'm saying is you have to give up that version if it's not aligned up with his version. So we have to understand that if we're born into sin and shaped in iniquity, we've all been born into some level of uh, uh, skewed versions of what God's love really is. Can I get an amen? So I want to answer three questions today. Uh, and, and let me, let me, I want to answer these three questions and then I'm going to give you my sermon title. The first question that I want to answer today is where did love come from? Second question is what is love? And the third question is how to stay connected to true love. Why is this important? Because as a young person, if you don't have a metric of what love is, you'll let anybody who flatters you, you'll let anybody who gives you attention, you'll let anybody who, who tells you you're beautiful or you're handsome, give, 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 get access to your heart. And the thing about your heart, what you do in a moment can take years to overcome. Oh, Jesus. You know, I, I, I've got lured by certain things. I've, I've been uh, flattered into giving my heart up for a moment, but I didn't know that it was going to take years to overcome that which I gave away in a moment. 
So if we don't have a matrix or metric of what love is, we won't know when somebody is flattering us. We don't know when somebody is charming but doesn't have character because charm is good, but character is very important. Charm will get you in the relationship, but character help you keep the relationship. I'm going to say that again. Ladies, you need to hear that. Yeah, he's charming. Yeah, he got all them muscles. Yeah, he got some swag. That might get your attention, but you need to look at his character. You need to look at his work ethic. You need to look at his integrity before you start giving him access to your heart. And fellas, yeah, I know she beautiful. Yeah, I know she a baddie. But you need to see if she has good character. You need to see how her attitude is. You need to see how her work ethic is. You need to see how her relationship with the Lord is. For you give yourself to a, a Delilah when God has something else for you instead. Ladies, I ain't trying to pick on you on that one. I didn't mean to call out a Delilah. <laughs> but the enemy is after the correct definition of love, because if he can give you a false version of love, then if you are easily, let me say it this way. If you get a false definition of love, you become easily deceived and easily manipulated. You become easily deceived to the, 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 the philosophies and ideologies of men by every slight uh, teaching and every doctrine. You'll be like the waves of the sea going to and fro. You'll go this way and you'll go that way because you don't have a love that is anchored in the word of God. When you have the love of God, you're not so easily swayed. You're not so easily manipulated. I didn't say that you won't have temptations. I didn't say that you won't have desires, but I am not the temptations I'm facing. I'm the virtue. I'm the choice of choosing Jesus. That is who I am. I am not the temptations or my desires. I am the virtues I choose to embrace, which means I can have desires of sex before marriage, which means I can have desires of of, of sex outside of the proper way of God wanting me to have it. But just because I have that desire, I don't have to give into it. Because the love of God tells me that my ability to choose is much greater than my ability to feel. Oh, you need to hear me on this one. We are a tripart being. We have a spirit which possesses a soul, mind, will, and emotion, and it is housed in a body. Amen? And when we renew our mind, we're able to choose things that we often have been waiting to feel first. I don't need to feel love before I choose love. I don't need to feel truth before I choose truth. I don't need to feel the right way of doing things before I choose the right way of doing things. Jesus redeemed my willpower. He redeemed my thought process because when he was in the garden of Gethsemane and the Bible says that he sweat as if it was great drops of blood. What was he doing? In one garden, humanity gave up their willpower. In the second garden, Jesus was redeeming humanity's willpower back to the father back to love, back to the right version of what love is, which is obedience to the word of God. Where did love come from? Number one, love came from God. God is love. That's where love comes from. God doesn't, God doesn't have love. God doesn't possess love. He doesn't choose love. God is love. The essence of who he is, is love. 
He is an eternal being that doesn't have an end or a beginning. That's why they call him the Alpha and the Omega. He's eternal. He doesn't live inside of time. He lives outside of time, but he sent Jesus in the process of time to redeem humanity so that way we can now be restored, redeemed, brought back. Redemption is that which was once in place, taken out of place, brought back in place. And Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. They were taken out of place. Jesus went back to the garden and redeemed humanity's willpower. And now we have back access to a garden experience with the Lord. And the first garden was a geographical location. And I believe the garden now exists in our hearts because when they asked Jesus, where is the kingdom? Is it over here or is it over there? But Jesus says the kingdom lives within inside of you, meaning that garden lives inside of you. Jesus lives inside of you. So you don't have to wait to go to a physical place to find love. Love, if you have Jesus, exists already inside of you. And if I got anybody in agreement with that, just give God five seconds of praise right now. Come on. So love can mean so many different things to so many different people. Again, as I mentioned earlier, oftentimes we get our versions, our definition of love from our experience, whether it's good or bad, partial, manipulative, abusive, harsh, codependent, self-seeking, one-sided, boundaryless, traditions, upbringing, well-meaning people. We've all been introduced to a love that we have to align it with the metric of God's love so that way we don't accidentally choose something that God never wanted us to choose. Again, because if you think God is prescribing abuse, if you think God is telling you to suffer long in a situation that is harmful, that is destructive, you got a wrong definition of love. And if you think God prescribed that circumstance to you, you won't resist it. You'll accept it. And Satan loves making bondage look like freedom and freedom look like bondage. He makes what is freedom following God's word. Delayed gratification. Oh, here's a nugget for you. It delayed gratification ultimately brings you into a harvest in a fruitful, productive life. But instant gratification leads you to instant devastation. And this is why self-control, temperance. Uh, uh, I was taking a class last week and they said the, person, the personality of Jesus, I like the way they said it, is the fruits of the spirit. His personality is patience, is love, is kindness, is temperance, it's self-control. That's why love, the barometer of love, is not how gifted you are or how eloquent you are or how you can have faith and do miracles. The barometer of love is how well you love people. You may be gifted, you may be talented, but if you don't love people well, you don't have the love of God. Oh, y'all didn't agree with me on that one. God, there's this tension between our horizontal relationships and our vertical relationships. And when we manage the tension of spending time with God, we can offer humanity or man what they need, even though we may not be getting what we want from them in return, which means somebody can give me anger. Somebody can be mean spirited. Somebody cannot be nice. And I can still release love because I'm managing this tension between my vertical connection to God and my horizontal relationship with people. And I'm using my horizontal relationship with people as a barometer do I really have love 
which means I don't need to wait for you to apologize for me to forgive you, which means I don't need to wait to apologize for me to apologize, which means I don't need to wait for you to do right for me to do right because I have the correct definition of love and it's not that I'm looking to you to be my source. I am already resourced in the Elohim, the I am, the Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Makedish, the Jehovah Jireh. I have everything I need in him so you can do whatever you want. I have no enemies. I love everybody and I can give love because I've encountered love. And when you've never encountered love and you don't have a proper relationship with love, you'll look for it in all the wrong places. Oftentimes, when you don't know agape, when you don't have the unconditional love of God, you reach to eros, the romantic side of love. And in and, and shameless plug, right? You guys heard Pastor JR talk about the, the conference in our nonprofit, Don't Awaken Love Too Early. And what people got to understand about that statement, King Solomon, who was the wisest man second to Jesus, wrote what you would consider probably one of the most central and sexual books of the Bible, Song of Solomon. If you marry, that is a good Bible to read, a good book. And he said, don't awaken love too early. He is not talking about a storge love, which is a love, a family, a, a, a love that Stacy and I may have for our kids. He is not talking about a filial love. These are Greek words, which is a brotherly love. He's not even talking about agape, which is an unconditional love. When that king, Solomon, says don't awaken love too early, he's talking about eros, the erotic romantic love. Because God never wanted you to encounter romance before you encounter agape. Because when you encounter romance before agape, you'll misdiagnose, misprescribe, and give yourself to something that agape didn't approve of. And we have a lot of people reaching for arrows before they even encounter agape. And partly of the problem why people reach for, for arrows before they got agape is because they didn't get the proper storge family love. So now they're looking for validation. See, humanity is all wired for love, validation, and acceptance. And if you're not getting that in the home, if you're not getting that in a small group, if you're not getting that from your pastors and leaders and coaches, because God could give you, a, 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 if you don't have a physical mother or father God can give you a surrogate he can give you pastors and leaders and when you do not have that encounter with storge which family love or filio which is a, a brotherly love you'll reach to romance because that's the easiest love to reach to and now we wonder why a woman can put her man before her kids. Because when you start having sex with a man that's not your husband, you're releasing chemicals in your body called oxytocin. And you're releasing bonding chemicals. When we are to have sex, it's supposed to happen in covenant. Because every time I'm intimate with my wife, every time we worship, we're bonding. It's a glue to keep us together. So if you haven't encountered agape to know that this is something very serious, so much so, you can't casually give that away because every time you have casual sex there is always a casualty and now you're putting your kids second to that man second to that woman because you activated a, a principle that was supposed to be in covenant see the reason why this works because one day my my kids are going to leave us and cleave so therefore it's okay that when i have this relationship with stacy she comes first because my kids will leave and cleave to somebody else so that's the proper way of doing it but when you're not married to somebody and you put them above your kids now 
now you are cleaving to somebody that should have been leaving in your life and you taught your kids the wrong version of how to love. You taught them to put a man or a woman above them. You taught them to do certain things that God never wanted you to do. And love can heal us from all of this. Scripture says we, he sent his word to heal us of all these different things. And if you're in that place where you find yourself uh, uh, casually being in relationships and find yourself uh, uh, staying out later and doing certain things where you're picking this boyfriend or girlfriend, I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I'm feeling like the Holy Spirit is leading me to say this. You can easily sever that relationship by severing that soul tie. See, you think you found a soulmate, but I'm here to tell you, you don't have a soulmate because how can they be your soulmate if they never died for your soul? Jesus is the true love of my soul you ain't my soul mate stacy is my destiny mate jesus is my soul mate jesus is her soul mate and when jesus is both of our soul mates he intertwines our soul together so that way we can be a kingdom mate for the kingdom of god and build his kingdom You want to make a difference in the world it starts with you being a successful single because if i'm successful as a single i bring that health to when i meet somebody and if i'm successful as a single and healthy she's successful as a single and healthy then our marriage will be healthy and if our marriage is healthy then we'll have healthy kids and if our kids is healthy now society is affected for the kingdom of god because it took a healthy single who picked another healthy single they have a healthy marriage and now that they have a healthy marriage they have a healthy family and now that family is producing kids that will go in society and be world changers but you take an unhealthy single you take another unhealthy single and they get in an unhealthy marriage and they have unhealthy family and therefore you're gonna have some unhealthy kids and you're blaming your kids for things that you didn't even conquer in your own life sheesh And it's easy to blame somebody else than to focus on what you need to change. It's easy to point the finger because it causes you to take the blame or the responsibility off yourself. You know, some of you guys know that um, I was 19 years old when I found out I was a father. And not only was I 19 years old that I found out I was a father, I found out that I had a son that was already two and a half years old. Don't judge me, y'all. <laughs> and there was a lot of things in my young father uh, season of my life that I would get mad at my son, but really what I saw in him was a mirror of things that I never conquered, and it was easier to be angry at him than it was to be angry at myself, and it took for me repenting to God and saying, God, forgive me for being angry with DJ about things that I should only be angry with myself about, and when I began to start taking ownership, inventory, and responsibility of what, I, what, what I've done and what, what I've contributed then I started to see the healing in my son that he needed because kids ain't gonna follow what you say they're gonna follow what you do and you can't disciple your child in an area that you've been undiscipled in you can't reproduce in somebody else what you haven't produced in yourself so again if we don't understand that love is an eternal quality we will limit this love by our earthly experience Again, I said four types of love. I'm a, I don't know if it came on the screen, but I'm going to just go over this for recap. Four types of love. Storge, which is family love. Filio, which is brotherly love. 
eros, which is romantic love, and agape, which is God's divine love. Before anybody should be in a relationship, it is God's plan and process that you encounter agape first. Now, not just agape, I believe before you can step into romantic relationship, you need non-romantic relationships. Before I can encounter Eros, first of all, I need agape. That's my vertical connection. And now I need storge and philia. God never wanted us to awaken Eros until we had the storge, the family love, the philia, the brotherly love, and the agape, God's divine love. Because there is going to be some things in your marriage. I love my wife, and she is amazing. But there are certain things that I got to go to my community, that I got to go to my mentors and pastors to get some insight. Because no one person can be every to you. Although Stacy is my everything, she can't meet every single need because she is not God. So God has given me relationships with pastors, mentors, brothers, and sisters, and small group leaders to where Stacy meets the majority of my needs, and there's only needs that she can certainly meet, but there are certain things that I can get in a healthy, uh, boundaried way from my friends, from my small group, from my leaders. And God wants you to be bonded to unromantic love before you be bonded to romantic love. Because now you have a tribe. Now you have a community. Now you have a group of people who can cover your blind spots. Hey, man, you have a group of people that can say, oh, you tripping. You was over that person's house uh, till two o'clock in the morning. You can have people who will challenge you. You will have people to get up all in your business. And if you got uh, here, it is breaking news. If you got to hide the relationships from your friends, from your loved ones, then chances are you shouldn't be in the relationship in the first place. Somebody say amen to that. You over there hiding the relationship because you having fun, because they doing certain things to your feelings and your emotions. But you don't know that that fun sometimes comes with a cost. Satan doesn't mind giving you pleasure as long as you give up your purpose. Oh, Jesus, he will offer right now pleasures for your purpose. He did it in the first garden where he told Adam and Eve that this is a tree that looks good. It can make one wise and you will be like God. You know what Satan offered? He was offered self-sufficiency. A love independent from God. And anytime you have a love independent from God, that's not love. That's perversion. And you better run away from that. You better set some boundaries against that because it's living within the word that will protect you. So check this out in Ephesians. Paul is uh, sharing this uh, prayer. This is a prayer that I pray over myself. There's a few prayers in scriptures that you can pray over yourself. One of those prayers, I believe, is in Ephesians 1 where he says, uh, I pray that the spirit of wisdom will be upon you, that the eyes of your understanding will be knowledge uh, so that you will know the hope that is in your calling. That's a prayer that P- Paul was given to the church of Ephesus, and I believe that's a principal prayer that I can pray over myself. And here's another one, right? It says, uh, Paul is speaking to the church at Ephesus chapter 3 verse 16 through 19 it says I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit somebody say his spirit now if you led by the spirit and the spirit that you're led by is contradicting the word that ain't the holy spirit God's spirit and his word is one they will never contradict each other Somebody, uh, a parent had told me one time, you know, I just felt led by the spirit to let my daughter's boyfriend come and stay with us and sleep in the same room. 
She didn't say it that way, but I was like, you mean to tell me God told you to let this young man sleep or stay at your house and you're not even having him sleep in a different room? Yeah, I just don't want to smother my daughter. I want to make sure she makes all the right decisions. You know what I'm against? Can I go on a tangent, y'all? You know what I'm against? All this pot in the parenting. No. <laughs> I mean, look, my, my, my son is 21 years old and we have a great relationship, but I ain't his partner. I'm his daddy. He got friends for all of that. I'm here to tell you truth. I'm your father. I'm going to love you. We're going to have some fun together. We are going to change the, our, our dynamics of relationship, how I related to you at eight versus how you were 18. And now that you're 21 as a man will change. But at the end of the day, I ain't your partner. I'm your daddy. So put some respect on my name, son. (laughs) So then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. See, we often have a passion for outcomes, but we need a passion for roots because roots produce outcomes. Oh, Jesus, you got a passion for the fruit. You got a passion for the outcome. You got a passion to see the manifestation. But for whatever outcome, whatever manifestation you want, you better have a passion for the roots because it's the roots that grow deep that produce the fruit that God wants you to have. And you and it says right here, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete. Somebody say complete. Which means Stacy doesn't complete me. Relationships don't complete me. Jesus completes me. She compliments me. She covers me. And she even connects with me. But no one can have the title of completing me other than the word, other than Jesus. So I'm not looking for somebody to complete me. I'm looking for somebody to compliment me in the call that Jesus already completed me in. Oh, Jesus, come on. So I want to let's go to Proverbs 27. I want to I want to expound on this part real quick. You know, we were talking about in his presence and Jesus is our lover of our soul. And it got me thinking about uh, in all creation. All creation has a a, a habitat in which it thrives in, right? We see lions are supposed to be in the jungle, right? Birds fly, uh, mammals or fish, they swim in the sea. Well, I, I believe humanity has a habitat as well. And I believe just like those animals thrive in a certain atmosphere, in a certain environment, humanity was supposed to thrive when their heart exists and lives in the presence of God. That's where we find who we are. It's in his presence. Now, you can access his presence through a variety of ways. We're in his presence right now because we're two or three gathered in his name. He's here. We're in his presence when we read his word. We're in his presence when we're driving. When you acknowledge God, his presence is not a physical location. It's a level of awareness that he will never leave me nor forsake me. I'm going to say that again. His presence is not necessarily a physical location. His presence is knowing that he will never leave me nor forsake me. Whether I feel God or not, his spirit lives inside of me. Again, remember, he didn't come for people who will worship him in building in truth, but in spirit in truth, which means God gave up living in billion-dollar temples that we see all these kings created, and he says, you know what? I don't want to live in a building made with man's hands. I want to live in a temple 
temple made with my hands. He gave you your body. He gave you your mind. And God is saying that you are priceless. God is saying you are so much worth more to billion dollar temples that he don't want to live in a tent, a tabernacle, or all these majestic temples. He wants to live inside of you and I. It's in his presence. Somebody say in his presence. Proverbs 27 and 20 says this. Just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so human desires is never satisfied. Now, you got to ask yourself this question. Where does the human desires come from? Somebody say the heart. So essentially what it's saying is the heart is never satisfied, just like hell and destruction is never satisfied. But can I, can I give you a, a thought process that if we have a heart that's never satisfied and there's a God that's never ending, it's going to take a never ending God to fulfill a heart that's never satisfied. Let me say that again. If we have a heart that's never satisfied and we got a God that's never ending, meaning he's the beginning and the end, he exists in time and outside of time, it's going to take a never ending God to fulfill a never satisfied heart. That's why you can try drugs, you can try sex, you can try porn, you can try alcohol, you can try everything. It may give you a temporal moment of relief, but it will not fulfill you. Only God can quench the eternal longings that live inside of you. Never let that which is temporal rule that which is eternal. Your heart was made to live in eternity with God. So although you're in this temporal world, you have eternal longings. You have longings of love. You have longings of Jesus. You have longings for community. And if you don't put God in that void, what happens is you'll fill everything up with that and you'll still feel void. You'll still feel empty. Again, it's going to take a never-ending God to fulfill a never-satisfied heart. So the first question was, where did love come from? Love comes from God. The second question is, what is love? 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. And I, I'll call the, the worship team up or some soft keys playing or pads, please. 1 John chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. This is the question that we're going to answer. What is love? It says right here, for the true love of God is this. That we do his commandments, that we keep his ordinances and are mindful of his precepts and teaching. And these orders of his are not irksome, burdensome, oppressive or grievous. For whatever is born of God is victorious over the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, even our faith, our faith in what? Our faith in the love of God. In other words, what is love? Love is obedience to the word of God. I'm going to say that again. I know it, it, it seems more complicated than that, but love is measured by your obedience to God. And only God, who is a, 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 a being who is eternal, who, who is love, can demand absolute obedience. It's not like a regular relationship or a person who wants obedience, who may have skewed versions of love. God is the definition of love. And when we are obedient to his word, we begin to see the fruit of the life that he prearranged, predestined, pre-described for us to have. Now, I want to I go a step further because if love is obedience to his word, then we have to understand love is not just a virtual. Love is a person. You might have heard uh, Pastor JR put it in the, the trailer or the, the intro video. And I just want to give you this thought that in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God and the word, the word dwelt among us and became flesh 
And then it says his name was Jesus. I'm paraphrasing. In other words, if obedience to the word is the love of God and Jesus is the living word, love is Jesus. When you have a love that exists outside of Jesus, outside of his word, that is not love. That is perversion. That word perversion just simply means to turn in another direction. This is why we see people turning from the the gender God created them to be and now want to be something else. This is why we see people turning from the traditional way of marriage between man and a woman and trying to create it with something else because they don't accept Jesus. And if you don't accept Jesus, you won't accept his word. And God's word is not to restrict you. His word is not to keep you from things. His word is simply to bless you and protect you and give you the life that he always prescribed for you to have. And I want to close on this scripture. Ephesians 3, we read it where it says, how wide and how long and how deep is the love of God? I believe the answer to that question in Ephesians Because the Bible talks about we should all be praying how long, how wide, and how deep the love of God is. I believe it's a couple verses where then it talks about then he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ever ask, think, or imagine according to the power of that work of in us. What is that? The power of love. You got to be praying the how wide, how deep, how long, how all those prayers to get to the exceedingly abundantly because everything we receive from God is not anything we earn. It's from his love. I didn't earn salvation. I didn't earn righteousness. It was a free gift from Jesus Christ. And if I didn't earn my salvation, if I didn't earn my righteousness and it's a free gift, then I can't unearn it. He loves me. He saved me. He redeemed me. He's declared me worthy. And even though I may be stumbling on my way to encountering his love, even though I may be making bad decisions, God will never leave you nor forsake you he is right there with you when you have sex before marriage he's telling you get it together the next time i know you were looking for love but i got all the answer he was right there with you when you were smoking weed and you got so high out your mind that you said god if you get me free in my mind i'll never smoke again and then you did it again he's still right there with you he won't forsake you he won't love he won't forgive you or he will always forgive you he's wooing you to him He's not condemning you to him. The son of man didn't come to condemn. He came to set captives free. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to restore those that need to be restored. How do I know this? Because I was somebody who needed to be restored. I was somebody who'd been to prison, lived a promiscuous life, hustled, sold drugs. I thought my life was going to be a real estate agent and a club promoter. Then I was in my prison sentence at San Quentin Penitentiary, facing four to six years in prison, thinking that all the love I wanted was what I wanted. And all of that led me to that incarceration. And then I reached out and cried out to God. And I said, Lord, this way ain't working for me. Your promise is your way. Your path, your DNA. It's time for me to do it your way and not my own. I offer this prayer up to God. And I kid you not, as my wife is my witness, that four to six year sentence got suspended to one year. I get this prophetic dream. I've never had a dream since. And in this dream, I am preaching the gospel at Calvary Christian Center at the church where Dr. Godot was. So I'm like, Lord, how am I having this dream? But I'm still in here. And in fact, I told God, I'm having a real conversation. The dream looks like I'm the same age that I am now. 
Then I get visited by a case manager again who decides to suspend my sentence. I get out of prison within a year. I go to that church where I had the dream. I felt very uncomfortable telling the man I had a dream about him. But my pastor at the time, Dr. Godot says, you know what, son? I believe in your dream. I used to be a boxer and one of the things you never do is put a fighter in the ring until he's ready. So he said, let me mentor you. Let me disciple you. Let me teach you about the ways of God. I submitted 10 years of my life at that church. I learned how to officiate funerals, how to officiate weddings. I learned how to pick up towels and not titles. I learned how to give. I learned how to forgive. I learned how to be a good man. I learned how to break every generation curse that my father didn't break. I learned how to be a good dad. I learned how to be a good a good man for my wife. I learned how to be a one-woman man. And now I'm here today to tell you the love of God will keep you if you want to be kept. The love of God will bless you if you want to be blessed. I met my wife at church. I was a fifth-year senior. I didn't graduate high school till I was 19 years old. I got out of prison. And as soon as I got out of prison, I got my bachelor's in theology. I got my master's in Christian counseling. I started a nonprofit, a for-profit. And now Stacy and I are one of the biggest givers in, in, in what we do. And that is because I encountered the love of God, which changed me, which redeemed me, which set me free. And I will never go back. And I told God... As long as you give me a mic, as long as you give me a platform, I'll tell every young boy, every young woman, every teenager, every adult, every man, every woman that the love of God is all you need. Somebody give God 10 seconds of praise. Go ahead and bless his name. Come on, you can be better than that. Bless his name. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Forget not his benefits in which he bestows. Keep praising him right now. Keep setting the atmosphere. Don't get weary. Keep praising him. Yeah, keep blessing him. He's worthy of the praise. He is my strong tower. He is my righteousness. He is my everything. It's in him I move and breathe and have my being. He is my Jehovah. He is my Lord. He is my God. He is my restorer. He is my repairer. He is my redeemer. He is my righteousness. All because of the love of God. And when I came from Sacramento to tell you that this love comes with a process. One of the things as I close, stay standing because I'm going to bring Pastor JR up in a minute. One of the things that fascinates me was the monarch butterfly. And the reason why it fascinates me, the glory of this butterfly is not to stay in its original form as a caterpillar. But it goes through this thing called a metamorphio process, which we can also learn metamorphosis which also can translate transformation. Trans means change, formations means into something. And it was the glory of that caterpillar to be transformed into that butterfly. But before that caterpillar transforms, goes into this metamorphous process, there is something that happens while that caterpillar is in this cocoon state. It is something called the imaginal disc, which we get the term ID from. In other words, as this caterpillar is in this imaginal disc process, as it's in the cocoon, what's happening is the DNA of the caterpillar is being wiped away and the DNA of the monarch butterfly is being activated. And I believe that when I got into the path in the plan of the love of God, the DNA of a hustler, a liar, a manipulator, a deceiver, 
and that inmate got wiped away and as I submitted myself to the love of God to the people of God he began to activate a pastor a leader a father an entrepreneur and I'm here to tell you the love of God will activate the things that God has prearranged and fashioned for you to walk in if you will let him somebody give him some more praise open up your mouth and praise the Lord That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.